Welcome back to the Enjoy the Walk podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Full house this evening. Had to hold the doors, uh, you know, back from letting anybody else in. But we got uh, we got the whole crew on the show tonight. Dante, Isaiah, boys, we got a lot of lot to talk about in the golf industry this week. About to catch up. World's going crazy, but golf's holding strong. Hey, Here we are. You How you guys doing? We've uh, we we've seen golf be played for one full week now, and you know we we just talked about before we got on no positive COVID tests. So I think that you know quote unquote dry run of the PGA Tour is uh, is a go, and uh, hopefully I think hopefully we'll start seeing fans out there. But Dante, you and I talked about this a little bit. Uh, it did not seem too different without the uh, without the fans, you know, kind of being in and around the mix with the guys. Nope. On the viewers' aspect, you, it wouldn't even cross your mind. Honestly, as I've seen some people say, it, you don't have to hear the mashed potatoes and bubba booey every every three seconds mm-hmm. when someone steps on the tee and tries to rip one. I mean, that's probably the only thing that you that, that you've probably heard in the past from with the fans is obviously the roars uh, and also just the stuff that they say after someone just like rips someone get in the hole from when they're like. 250 yards out or something hitting a layup I, I don't know that's the only thing that you really don't see I think it's it seems a little bit more peaceful uh mm. but I mean the broadcasting they're filling in those spots uh, I think they're doing pretty good uh like we said before so I mean it's pretty good uh I'm excited to see this uh this week but it's what I'm also excited about with what it's going on it's almost like a condensed schedule so like every big name player is going to be heading to all these tournaments that usually they don't play. So that's probably one of the coolest things, especially this weekend. Yeah. I mean, and we talk about it too, before the RBC heritage down there always got overshadowed by the masters. It was always the week after the masters. It was always the, you know, Harbor town was just like the, Oh, really? We're all on a masters hangover. You know, someone just won in dramatic fashion, usually, um, you know, putting that green jacket on and then, the week after is, is the RBC. So it's, it's going to be cool to see all those big names play out there. Um, you know, you got big boy Bryson, uh, you know, putting on his big boy pants again this week. Uh, I want to dive into that. We said we wouldn't last week, but here we are. Um, it seems to be on every headline, every news article you read from any golf analytics. Bryson got beefed. What of it? He's not hitting He's any farther. Now. He's bigger, but no. If you look at the numbers, if they were factual or if they were accurate, you'd see TrackMan numbers. He's only flying at 290, 295, maybe 310 if he hits a really, really good one. But it's not like he's, you know, blasting at 50 and 60 past everyone else. I mean, I'll give him props. You pick up 20 yards, 30 yards, that's a huge leap. That's impressive. So props to that. But at the same time, PGA is – they're beefing those numbers too. I think, uh, and we, you know, we said this time and time again, I think Dante, you said it, I think best is you really got to watch those numbers when you're watching the live broadcast when the ball actually lands and when that ticker on the screen stops counting the, the carry yardage, because we saw it last week. It was at about three Oh five when we all saw it land and that ticker kept going up to about three twenty seven, three twenty nine, 329. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I mean, you know, props to him. Let's, let's put this out there. First and foremost, the dude got big, he got yeah. big and, and he had to work his ass off to get those muscles. So shout out to Bryson. Uh, it was hard earned. I know it was, that wasn't easy to get that big, but, uh, 
Dude, I think he needs I'll, to go into some it, yoga or something. I don't think he got that much more <laughs> yardage out of it. It's tough to put on that amount of weight and in that such little time. I mean, I had to do it. I mean, like I've said it before, I'm a smaller frame and I did it. I did it back in college for the cross because I mean, I got pushed around a lot. Um, so what I had to do is basically eat everything in sight and just lift as the heaviest amount of weight as I possibly could and just try and pack on mass. And it, I mean, it's tough. There are times, there are days where you're just legit eating food just to get calories in, not even out of enjoyment and have to, I mean like PB peanut butter and jellies. I mean, you're just like eating like high packed protein food, lots of high carbs and half the time you just get sick and it's like hard to like throw it down. So he, I get that. That's, that's really, it's tough to put on that kind of weight. But once you put on that weight, you lose your mobility. Yeah. And, and you know, I it's mean, funny. And, and it just seems like golf is more of a mobile sport rather than trying to get big and be look like a linebacker out there. What I will say, I'm going to defend him. I'm going to play devil's advocate to my own argument. Cause I, I think getting that big is going to be detrimental long-term, but uh, this past week T2, and uh, going into the RBC Heritage, we'll see how he does, you know. But uh, I think if he hones it in, he, he's definitely one of those guys that overanalyzes and is on that analytical side of things way more than anybody else out there, I think, from just a mind-constantly-running standpoint. So maybe there's some science behind it. Maybe he's taken out uh, different parts of the golf course by able, being able to fly some things, you know, that he wasn't previously able to or a lot of the field is able to. Uh, we mentioned that too, Isaiah, you kind of said too, you know, most of the guys in the money, money list, money winnings are, are your 290, you know, your 285, 290 guys are actually the guys kind of consistently out there making the cash. So is it, is it truly going to pay off to be hitting at that 320, 325 carry? You, you know, there, there's a lot of guys that will say it will. And there's also a lot of guys making the money that say it won't. Hmm. I think it really pays off perhaps four times a year. And that's just major tournaments. The rest of the year, they're playing courses that usually cap out around 74, 7,500 yards, and you can play a three wood and irons on those courses day in and day out and won't see much of a difference in gapping. Um, obviously, if you see a you know 470 par four, it's nice to be able to pull out driver and still have an eight iron in or seven or whatever it is that they're going to have, but I don't know. Long term, I, I think I agree. I think being that big is going to be detrimental, but at the same time, I think it was either Woodland or Kepka that said some of the most athletic people and most flexible people in this world are gymnasts and they're able to perform, you know, feats of strength such as the iron cross and be able to fully support their uh, entire weight just on their upper body, chest, the torso, arms. So maybe there is something to being that large as long as, like Dante said, flexibility stays in the picture. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I think uh, Kepka brought the, I think, linebacker mentality or the, the like you just said, I, I do believe it was Kepka that did make that gy that uh, gymnast reference. And, you know, mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting to see. Are, are guys going to hop on that bandwagon? Are, are guys going to start to see the Kepkas, the the now Brysons of, of the industry, you know, beefing up beyond belief and say, well, these guys are top fives every week. They're making the money and the proof's in the pudding. Or are these just are these guys just anomaly freak athletes that they're going to be the only guys that can make it happen? You know, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but I don't think someone the frame of like a a five six five seven guy getting that beefcake. I, I just don't think it's going to work the same. 
I, I don't know. Maybe I, I, I just, I, I don't think, um, I think these guys are anomalies. I don't think it's going to be the standard. I could see it in lower body though. Someone that's five, six to five, eight, I could see beefing up your legs. Cause that's going to give you a stronger support, a stronger frame, which you can, you know, increase your rotation. As long as you're able to keep that mobility upstairs and stay planted downstairs, um, and even if you watch Justin Thomas and his move, he's able to jump off the ground just a little bit as he's making contact. I think having that power starting at the bottom and that stability is going to lead to more um, distance and control over time. From personal experience, the bulkier you get up top, the more limited you're going to be in your rotation, and you're actually going to lose speed if you don't stay flexible. So if you're looking to go the route of DeChambeau, keep that in mind and do your stretches religiously. That's, uh, that's where I come in. So, uh, that's what I need. Hey, uh, <laughs> I'm sitting at five six, so I gotta, I gotta try and generate as much power for my, for my lower body that I can, in order to generate the speed. Because listen, my high, my hands can only get so high. Uh, mm-hmm. There's like six foot, six foot five guys, and more power to. It's funny too, because my buddy I play with, um, called Big John. He's he was a pretty stud golfer back in high school. He's six nine. Right now he's six nine and he's about maybe three twenty ish. He's a big dude. And the guy has a great swing and he just murders the ball. But at this <laughs> like at the same time, I mean, if you take the height of my backswing compared to the height of his backswing, it's it's I, I'm I'll never be there. But if I want to generate the speed, I'm gonna be half I'm gonna have to do it from the ground. And actually mm-hmm. he kind of like questions like we played today and he questioned uh so I guess I was doing kind of like a little, little Bubba Watson-esque is where you know, I was coming through impact and like my left, my left foot, since I'm right-handed, was coming, I guess, off the ground. And I was taking like a side step just so I could kind of like drive through the ground and out of there. And he's like, what are you doing? I was like, listen, man, I got to do whatever I can to get it out there. <laughs> so that's not that's, Little, little guy's got to do what you need to do, right? He's not, he's not used to that because he, he can just – whip it around and he'll get the speed me i gotta do everything i possibly can i mean it's funny too because the um the the guys out on tour the first week back roy mcelroy uh i think he played with harris english the first couple days too and and mcelroy's quote even quoted saying you know he looked at he looked at bryson a couple times and said holy shit dude like you hit it that far um so i mean when when you have the likes of roy mcelroy who's consistently one of the number one drivers out on tour, um, recognizing distance gain, you know, I think there's something to it. Obviously I think there has to be, um, you know, and, and a guy who's also a gym rat in himself, Roy McIlroy, um, kind of just praising the work that Bryson did. Uh, there's, there's definitely something there that I think, you know, we're just going to wait and see how, how long it pays off and how well it pays off. But, uh, you know, golf channel was quoted saying he hit it 370, 385 into the wind, um, it was crazy. It was nuts is what they quoted it saying it, you know, so while I'm skeptical of those numbers uh, into the wind, um, you know, if, if that's what it was, then holy shit. But if that, you know, I, I'm skeptical, I'm skeptical of those numbers being consistent yeah. through the rest of the year is all I'm saying. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. Completely then, agree. Yeah. But, they say uh, that. They're they're saying it's total distance, right? They're saying it's total distance, and everybody knows that yeah, they're playing let's... on runways, you know, out out there yep. on tour. So I was about to say, uh, they're playing off of concrete. So, 
once that ball lands. So granted, I mean, if you're getting more ball speed, I mean, if you're hitting a little bit lower, that thing's going to run out pretty damn fit, far. So, but still, if we're talking, half the times we're talking carry distance, and that's the shit you see on, on yeah. TV. And now McElroy did, McElroy did kind of hey, like admit, keep an eye. Keep an eye on that. Yeah, McElroy did kind of admit, and Dante, you called this out, so props to you for calling this out. You said the name Cameron Champ last week when you talked about guys who just legitimately bomb it. And McElroy mm. said, yeah. he said, you know, I'd still say Cameron Champ has the most natural, smooth speed out there on tour by far. So I think, you know, um, it's just – it's all, it's, it's all going to be about, I think, watching these guys. If, if you're in the game for a – Watching the watching the game for like a long drive aspect, then I think Bryson may, might have just put his name in the mix. I don't think he's by far you know out there past everyone like everyone's kind of been talking about. I think, but but I think he's in the mix now. I think the champ, the Bubba Watson, McElroy's still there, DJ Brooks, and now and now DeChambeau's in the mix. I, I I refuse to believe he's just by far driving at forty yards past every single person out there. No. So. Definitely exciting, not. I can see him signing up for some. I can see him signing up for some long drive tournaments soon. Get get our boy, uh, get our boy Jesus a golf out there and show him what he's got because I don't think yeah. he's got the long. I don't think he's got the long drive stuff in the bag. No, he'll that. I would have. It wouldn't shock me if he decided to step away for I don't know from the PGA and said, I'm going to start doing some long drive competitions. If things start, start working out for him on a, on a winning aspect. Well, it'll be interesting to see. I'm pumped to see it. Uh, maybe if he, if he does get into those long drive, uh, you know, competitions, he'd rock some squares golf, uh, shout out to squares golf. They, uh, they had some pretty big news that, uh, you know, we partnered up with them last two weeks ago for our 50th uh, episode and, and got them a giveaway together. They, uh, they just signed Sir Nick Faldo to their to their kind of stable i guess you could say and uh and, and pretty pumped to see them have the success they're having so quickly within the shoe game and yeah guys so excited to hear that from our guys out at squares uh dante you've been uh you've been rocking the square shoes you now what five weeks six weeks just playing about three or four times a week H how's the hoof still feel never better Never better. That's what I like to hear. Mm. Never better. Has it dropped your scores, or have you seen any uh, significant? That's a different. That's alignment? a different scenario. I'm, <laughs> I'm taking a class for that one. <laughs> when you're in a class for something, I don't think the shoes are gonna yeah. help. <laughs> I, yeah, I was playing with my buddy Dan the other day, and he goes, "I was like, yeah, I got to get back home. I'm, t I got the, I have this mental class." And he looked at me. It's like you're in a mental class. Mm. Thinking like, so, like, just like, in general, men like mental health. I was like, no, no, it's for golf. And he's just like, oh, and it, he knows, he knows my uh, my craziness. So mm. yeah, uh, yeah, we uh, the shoes aren't helping the the head up here. So uh, I'm sorry, I'm it. sorry, Robert. Uh, we you know we tried to help the shoes help our golf game too, uh, but we're too big of nutcases here in the Enjoy the Walk podcast for that to happen. Mm. <laughs> Love the shoes, the shoes are great, but they're not helping our golf score. But uh, well, man, no, it's also awesome for them, and excited to see that news come out of uh, out of their kind of you know media tent that last week, and uh, it's just it, you know exciting times for them moving forward too. I'm sure 
Nick Faldo is going to be one of the many uh, kind of legends to jump on the Squares bandwagon. But uh, speaking of bandwagons, uh, Isaiah, you hopped on the Jumbo Max Grip bandwagon here recently, and and, and I want to hear uh, I want to hear your thoughts on on this Jumbo Max uh, mentality. Right. So as you guys know, I've done a lot of lifting, especially in college. I lifted heavy, got really big, lost a lot of distance, and a big part of that is just the amount of uh, grip pressure that I was applying to the grips. I was white knuckling it, if you will. So after doing some research on what jumbo max grips are and what the tech is supposed to help you do, I decided to pull the trigger and I bought one for a, uh, for an old driving iron I had sitting around since I had no other clubs I wanted to, you know, potentially ruin with a grip the size of, I mean, you can guess whatever I might relate that to, but needless to say, it's a very large grip. Um, I got big hands as it is, but it fits well. Um, super tacky, has a great feel to it, but at the same time, it, it's just different. It's very different. It's does hard that, to hold on to it. I don't know. Does it affect the swing weight? I don't, it maybe threw it off by one swing weight, but at the same like, time, would it, it's hard to would tell. It, wouldn't it just counterbalance it? Cause that, it makes the club feel lighter. I can say that much, Really? but it's not by that much. That's, that's odd. Uh, that's well, incredible. No, that's, I never would have no, guessed that's, that that's no, what that's, it did. But Which what it will do, uh, I think it was the large XL, large slash XL. Is that the one like Bryson hits? Like the yeah. big fat suckers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So are you it's, like... It's fairly obnoxious. Are sure. you like, you know, when you, put a, when you put a grip on or when you're, you know, gripping a club, are you like finger tipping it or are you like palming it? Like I he, mean, it, it puts most of it in your palms I yeah because like you're not that's just, that's supposed to take away the like the wrist right yeah like so if you've ever used a super stroke like a super stroke 3.0 yeah that's about how large the grip is Jeez. and it completely takes out one side of the golf course swinging that thing is impossible for me to hit a hook with that club it's just either going to go straight or it's going to flare out to the left for me since i'm left-handed that's, that's incredible a- which you would have to get like I just, a. I just don't think I have to, the paws for it. I don't. Yeah. Well, they have smaller sizes too. They've got a traditional. They've got medium, large, XL, and then I think there's a, you know, thickest of the thick, which is just for people like Yao Ming. So, <laughs> unless you're as large as they are, I don't think you got to worry about I, it. But. I'm all for tinkering, and I've just never, uh, you know, the the grip sizes. I've I've gone up like a couple tape wraps. But I've mm-hmm. never gone like jumbo. The craziest thing I've ever done was go midsize. Now I'm yeah. five nine, kind of standard as they come. I feel like body type wise, and I just don't have the big enough hands to to do a jumbo max. But mm-hmm. um, that's a, that's a new tinker zone for me that I've not uh, I've never gone down. But that's just interesting to see, like kind of hear that you've you've gone that route, and you know you st- you feel like you're gonna almost lose it every time you swing it. Mm-hmm. Dude, based on my glove size and my hand size the charts say I should be at an undersized grip, mm. but I I've tried it. It just doesn't feel right. It does not feel right at mm-hmm. all. No, I don't think I would be able to maneuver a jumbo size. The, the, whatever the grips are. Yeah. I don't think I'd be able to handle that. If it's me on the course, I'd rather play a grip that I know is going to tend that's going to lend me to hitting either straight shots or just missing it out to the left, which is either a fade or sort of a 
push fade mm-hmm. versus playing a smaller grip that's going to bring in both sides. A two-way miss is never that conducive for scoring. So, I mean, it makes sense. We look at the scores that Bryson's shooting, and if you pay attention to his misses, how often do you see him miss that ball left, which is a hook for a, a righty? I feel like that's very rare unless he's actually trying to hit that shot. Yeah. But he has to really step on it and try to force it to make that happen. And yeah. the principle of weakening your, your grip pressure, almost like holding a bird in your hand, like they say in the movie, the greatest game ever played, <laughs> it makes sense. And it seems to work. So I'll keep tinkering with it and see. I don't know if I could justify putting them on every uh, club in the bag. I don't think I'd have the space for it. But I was about to say, you might have to get one of those like supersized uh staff bags for like demo mm-hmm. days yeah, in yeah. order for them things just to, <laughs> just so they don't they can actually come out of the bag the clown bag for sure yeah, yeah heck, nope. heck, i have a i have just standard grips on mine and they I, I they i replace them because they rub so much so god bless mm-hmm. anyone who's got a full set of 15 or i mean 14 in their in their bag for uh for jumbo max man that's a uh, mm-hmm. that's stretching it they weigh quite a bit as well so i feel bad for bryson's caddy that's uh yeah that's not on the uh, enjoy the walk list. I feel like that makes it tough to enjoy the walk when you're be- breaking your back on on these jumbo max grips. The weight just kills. How your many back. clubs do you think you can easily fit in it? And it's like a ping stand hooper stand bag with those with grips. Those grips. Yeah. Oh jeez. Think you would have I to go. You half. can fit them. You can you fit them all, but you're gonna be standing on the fairway molesting your golf by the time you get that club out of there. <laughs> just. Throwing yelling obscenities and trying to get the clubs out <laughs> i should like <laughs> i i like to well lately with a lot of i had a lot i have a lot of time on my hands so pretty much after every round that i play i clean mm. i clean my clubs from grip down to to the head and when those when i clean those grips and they i get like the dirt off of them and they get like super tacky and they go out the next day and they're just standard size grips i'm <laughs> they're getting stuck to the to the bag or other grips down there and i'm getting frustrated man mm. i would i'd probably walk off the course if i had a full 14 <laughs> set of uh, jumbo max grips and i can't get like a pitching wedge out of the bag that how might be that might be one of the most frustrating though. things for sure how Wait. is it with those kangaroo grips didn't you well, try those recently uh, yes i only have one it's on my driver and it's probably the like I said before, I have problems with sweaty palms. We tried rosin, the rosin, like bowling rosin to keep your hands dry. But then again, looks like I'm on cocaine afterwards because <laughs> it's just white dust all over me. <laughs> but I I do like it. They're expensive. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're throwing up like $24 a grip here. Oof. Yeah. So Mm-mm. if they last for a long time, I wouldn't mind throwing up uh, the money if the durability of them is is mm-hmm. fine because I like I said I have smaller hands and I need that extra tackiness and it it works because like I said it's on my driver grip so when I have the glove on it like anybody who hits a shot when you you know everybody does you know when they're in their follow through and then they're finished they either loosen their hands let the club slide down or do a little club twirl. I can't do that with the glove on because the glove just sticks to the grip. I have to take my right hand and pry off the club from the, from the glove in order for it to like, for me to move on and go 
So it looks weird. So it's not smooth uh, to just like get that. If I you pure that shot and you like look up, you're in that nice finish and then you just do the club twirl and just let it slide down. Yeah, I can't do that. So right now, I mean, um, it's comp it's, it's, so it looks kind of like a wind grip in it, in it aspect. Uh, it's like leather. So it's like stitched at the bottom. Mm. So it looks good. Um, it's not too soft, but it's not too firm. It's like perfect. So everything about it's great. It's very tacky. And even if you get a little ounce of like water on it, it gets tackier. So mm. it's, it's like stickier. I'm sitting there like, all right, this is, this is what I need. This is what I need because there's going to be those rounds where I'm playing in 80 degree weather and it's a hundred percent humidity and I'm just sweating profusely. And listen, that's a, that's a long round within itself. And to not be able to grip a club, then, then, then it's just a disaster. So if I can find a way to eliminate that process and ha eliminate that fear, because like if I have the fear that I I'm gonna the club's gonna slip out of, out of my hand, I'm not gonna strike it well because I'm gonna be a little timid to really attack through it. So listen, I'm I'm a what is it? Fuck, <laughs> a believer. I'm a fan of the Rue grip. Mm. That's fair. I, am. I figured you and would my, be. All, all the, all the uh, you know, like ratings and things I heard, they were the tackiest things anyone's ever, ever put their hands on. So my, I, I knew my at, friend, at least, at least like you had to respect the tackiness. Yeah. My friend grabbed it and he's like, what is this? He's like, and, it, and he's like, yo, check this out. And he's like, someone else is like, ew. Like they didn't like it. And I was like, nah, this, I, I need this. I need this because... <laughs> It's just that you're eliminating that as with golf. It's such a mental game. If you can eliminate one factor that you don't even have to think about anymore, mm -hmm. you're already setting yourself up for success. Yeah. So. Amen yep. on that. That's uh. so I don't know. There might be 13 more coming. I, we'll see. Well, I just want to know what you're mentally prepping yourself with for the match we got coming up. Because we've got, you've got a lot of golf coming up. We've got a lot of I have golf a lot together. Of serious golf. Coming yeah, we've got a, we've got a few matches coming up <laughs> together. Um, you got to get in a good mental state here. I know you said you're in that mental class with Kobe Wallets. Uh, shout out to Kobe. We've had him on the show before. He talked us through kind of his approach to the game and why he loves teaching so much. And um, you know, he's got you in that mental class. What what are what are some things you've taken out of the last three weeks of that mental class? that you're like, all right, now that I'm going to take a break, hopefully here for a day or two, I can sit back and maybe work on mentally. Well, one, I'm still a shitty student as I was in college and high school. <laughs> I very, I was very, a, a big disappointment to the, <laughs> to the other guy. So he gave me the book. Um, uh, golf is uh, not a game of perfect. Mm -hmm. And book. he's like, yeah. So he goes, Dante, read that book because it's basically this class and like a lot of the stuff that I, I teach, I, I kind of, it's like, you'll find that in the book. He goes, read the book, read the book. I was like, okay. So goofy me decides to purchase just the hard copy in like in class the one day, like I was like, all right, I'll, I'll purchase this. So I went on Amazon purchase and whatnot. And I just got like the hardback uh, copy, not realizing and putting two and two together where I could have purchased the audio book. He said, it's like about an hour and some change to listen to that I could have listened to on my way down to Maryland when I went to go visit Dalton and have the book completed. 
Mm. Now nah, it's like, now nah, I'll just do it. <laughs> I'll do it the hard way and actually read it. Right. So I'm, I'm trying to like find these ways, find these ways to get, uh, I can't find, I can't find it without going on certain apps and having to pay for a subscription and I'm not paying extra money just so I can <laughs> listen to a book one, like one time. So I was like, I'll just read it. Mm. So I was like, give me like, I was like, yeah, I'll get, I'll get it in next week. I read one chapter <laughs> and he goes, he's like, Dante, how was the book? And I was like, yeah. First chapter was like, great. No. Rest of it. No I was like, I read the first chapter and he goes, are you kidding me? He goes, all right, your homework assignment for the week is to read that book on top of the <laughs> other, other homework. But the class itself, a lot of the stuff that, you know, has come across your mind before, but a lot of the stuff that he's also teaching, like I've never thought in that type of process. Mm-hmm. So like the other, like last, last night's class or the night before uh, he has, he drew out this thing. It was like three boxes. It was, which I thought was really cool is on how to, how to think about this is you have a think box and then you have a play box and then you have a memory box. Mm-hmm. So the think box obviously is like, all right, when I step up to the tee, what club am I hitting? What shot am I hitting? Um, and like any type of like swing thought like you're having for that, for that day. So let's, let's like, let's say like, all right, take like the field that day is like, just taking my hand a little outside. Right. Okay, cool. Once you get those thoughts, you cross that line. Those thoughts are done. Like, don't even think about it. And when you're in that play box, you are all you're focusing on is hitting that shot, like hitting the ball. Mm-hmm. And then like the memory aspect is kind of, he said, so like most golfers, when you're in that thinking stage, they like crisscross it with the playing playing box. Now you're over your shot. You're like, all right, well, okay, I got to, I got to do this. I got to make this swing. I got to make sure I make good contact. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to hit it fat or I don't want to thin it or I don't want to pull it and I don't want to hit it in the water. So you have all these thoughts of, don't, 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 don't. And how many instructors say what happens when you hit a shot with those thoughts in those head in your head, Mm. you're going to hit that shot, right? You're going to hit those negative shots. Hmm. So he says, once you take the think thing away, you hit the play, he goes, let's move on to the memory. And he said, let's change that in. So he said he was explaining a scenario with a, a very solid player at the club. He teaches had a, Um, so the memory box, he had like four things in there. He goes, talk about shots. You have a great shot. You have a good shot and you have a good enough shot. And then you have a poor shot. So he asked, he asked his student, he said to his student, he said, um, let, he goes, all right, let pick a shot. You're very comfortable with. Right. So say like, I think it was like 80 yards. Mm. He goes into the green 80 yards. What's a great shot. He goes inside six feet, right? He goes, okay, okay. He goes, what's a good shot? Uh, I think it was like in between like seven and 15 feet, mm. right? And he says, what's a good enough shot? Say 20, like, you know, 20, 25 feet to the hole. So he said, what, what about a poor shot? He said, say anything outside 30 feet. Okay. All right, cool. So roughly inside 30 feet, it's, it can either be great or good enough. Right. So he said, okay, take, he went out 80 yards, 
and he said, hit 50 shots. So he said the kid was hitting shots, and he goes, ah, fat, ah, caught that thin, ah, bad swing. Like all these negative shots throughout, like the 50 shots. Okay, that was all right, this, 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 and that. So Colby said he went out to, he goes, I'm going to measure all these shots in. So I would say, he said, say like 40 of those shots were 25 feet and in. Mm-hmm. So if you look at that box of good, of great, good, good enough, and poor, three out of those four sayings are more positive, right? The other's negative. Mm-hmm. So 40 out of 50 shots were positive shots, actually, even though when he was taking those shots, he was very on a negative aspect. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing I took out of that. Um, so there are a lot of things that are taking out. Uh, one of the other big things that I really enjoyed was when you go up to take a tee shot, like with your driver, just positive thought, I'm going to rip this right down the middle. I'm going to hit this low draw or something, and I'm going to pipe it. I like it. The I like reality positive, aspect, I like positive thoughts. That, that's yeah, been the, one the, thing that I noticed even playing with you a little bit. You hit maybe one bad shot or so, and the negative thoughts come flowing like a waterfall instead of the positive yeah. thoughts. So yeah. if but that's he, one he thing also, you change, I'm pumped for you for that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's a lot of, um, there's like a lot of tests I need to take to, to the course. There's like so much information. It's, it's the same thing with like a swing thought or a swing change is like, you want to try and like limit it. But a lot of this stuff is how it's not necessarily how you're playing or how your swing is or how your contact is. It's, it's more how you react. Mm-hmm and how that can completely change the outcome of your scoring that day. Your perception of positive and, and negative and uh, yep. shift in expectation. Exactly. So the class is really good. There's a lot of um, other, uh, I guess you say classmates on there as well. A lot of, so he's out of, he's out of Louisville, Kentucky. Um, so all of them are all, all local Louisville guys. So like <laughs> during this COVID time, like I, New Jersey has a different, uh, I guess, opening or, or set of guidelines than what Kentucky has. And they're like, yeah, I'm out practicing doing this and this. And I'm sitting there, it's like, well, we just got this open, so I can only do this. So that's kind of, that was kind of funny. But it's, it's definitely an enlightening class. And if anybody has the opportunity to take it, um, I, I would recommend that. He also, I mean, he gives out kind of like playing homework to do all the time uh, and kind of, you know, try and hold each other accountable. It, it, it's definitely good. Um, it's definitely helping at times. It's definitely. And then sometimes I just get way too negative and mental. Dalton's you can re- Dalton probably read the text. I've watched it. And, and the thing that I picked up biggest in what you just said, and I think it's so, so perfectly spot on is there's a, there's an old quote out there. That's like life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you react. And I think Mm. that could not be true on the golf course. It's like, even if you hit a semi good shot, you get a bad bounce. Like you could in a split second. And, and that's how big, that's how, you know, quick a a good round could change into a bad round is a split second of, are you cursing the bad bounce or are you saying I can still make that, you know, like how Mm. are you, how are you kind of adjusting to, even if you hit a good shot and get a bad bounce, because 
that's when it really matters. I feel like, you know, you can hit a bad shot and your mind already says like in the minute it comes off your hands, you know, it's bad, but it's the shots that you even hit good and get a bad reaction to that really mm-hmm. test your mentality and your mental kind of fortitude within mm. you know, the rest of the round. So I'm excited, man. Like we, like we just alluded to, um, we have that match with the, uh, with the ex barstool, I guess you say current barstool classic champions yeah uh, they're still the, they're defending champs so yeah up at uh, atlantic city country club for our uh for our practice round up there on june 29th so shout mm-hmm. out to rocco and uh and hoffy man we're we're coming for you guys you know it, but i i don't want to get uh i here's what i want your opinion on do we want to beat them in the personal match and not qualify for the barstool classic or get thumped in the personal match but still qualify for the classic I would say get thumped and then qualify for the classic and then we'll destroy them in the championship. I am so get comfortable getting thumped on the 29th. It is not even funny. Like Hoffy and, Hoffy and Rock, because if you're out there, thump us, man. Thump us. I, 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 want, I want the classic. I want you guys in the classic. Although I also want you guys on the 29th. Don't get that wrong either. I mean, in a perfect world, we'll beat them both, both ways. So You're 100% right. That's I, had to, the, I had to ask uh, the hypothetical there. I mean, you you always got to throw a hypothetical in there, but mm-hmm. yeah, I would I would rather in a practice round lose, and then when we face them in the real thing, I would rather qualify, get to the championship, and do it, get it done where it needs to be done. Yeah, but we want now, to accomplish. Now after that, or I should say, the weekend before we have that match, you've got some more championship golf coming your way. Dude, I have my schedule <laughs> just out of nowhere, just like so. Let's. I think a lot of the negative thoughts too is just I've been playing. I hate to say this, and you don't necessarily like to hear this from a golfer. I've been playing too much golf. Mm-hmm. I blow my lats are shot. I mean, I am so tight. So I think a lot of that's been lazy swings. But to me, and I'm sitting there like this is a poor swing. I stink. This and that. I quit. I have a, I have a pre-made uh, uh, um, sell list on on eBay that goes up on and off here and there uh, for my set of clubs uh, for this. So when it's a bad, you know, just keep your eye out there on, uh, to all the, uh, to all the listeners and you might, you might see a nice uh, set of clubs ready for sale, but I'm going to favorite your seller list on, uh, on, on eBay and just snipe them off you. The one, the one second you tell me they're up, I'm going to snipe them off of you just so I can have them for my own personal gain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, today, so we got the we got the match at the the Barstool Champs right on the 29th. I just found out today that my course's club championship is that Saturday Sunday. So the 29th is a Monday. 27th to 28th is our two day aggregate uh, score for our club championship. Obviously, I signed up for that. So I was like, then we got that, and then I might be if we get if we get um if we get accepted or get elected to play. The Sat the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday before the Barstool Classic in July that we're playing at Atlantic City Country Club. I might be playing with our good buddy Paul up at his home course now, Glenmore National, in their three day member guest tournament. So it's hilarious. Have, and it so. just popped on my schedule here. The rescheduling of the Ocean City member guest is the ninth through the eleventh. So I've got the Rock and the, the Rock and Hoffy match. I've got yep. then the Saturday after that, 
I have a, uh, we're starting our match play events in, in inner club match play events. I signed up for the net and gross because at the time it was COVID times. And I'm like, I'm, I'm signing up for all the golf. I want to play all the golf and, uh, and, and starting to see that come full force back into reality is I need 18 hole matches with this guy. I need 18 hole matches with this guy. I got member guests. I got other practice rounds and we got the Barstool Classic, uh, you know, qualifier. So we're, we're definitely seeing, I think the effects of COVID catch back up to us in when everybody was maybe click happy or entry happy to get into any and all events that we could post COVID. Um, it's starting to rear its head, especially in the heat of the summer. And I just played two tournaments not too long ago in the past two weeks and got destroyed. Yeah, so let's talk about that. We had the Glover we had the Glover Park tour on last week and uh you got to go out there and, and hang out with the guys from Glover Park. Uh tell us about that experience, man. It seems like those are just a bunch of great dudes. Yeah, they were uh it was a lot of fun. I mean, you know, it's a lot it's it's very laid back. Um but, you know, that like you heard on the podcast the essence of their tournament was to you know, it was a couple of buddies that said, you know, I'm better than you. And they're like, nah, I'm better than you. And they're like, Hey, let's put it to the test. Let's Prove actually it. like throw a tournament together between at the time, I think it was three or four of them to see who truly is in the best. And then it kind of just snowballed from there and they started gaining, you know, followers and people and people wanted to start playing this and that. So they have, they have these events, uh, it's, it's really nice because it's not like the other like am tours and stuff where you have to pay uh, a membership fee. It's just, you know, the entry fee into the tournament. It's, it's very laid back. You can kind of get obtain points because eventually they have, you know, different sections play each other. Um, but this is like the Philly section and you just, they go out to some pretty nice courses and, you know, each tournament has a, you know, you're either winning some type of, actual sport coat jacket or you're winning some hardware trophy and some it was a good looking trophy when i so we played at philmont um it's in the located in north philly um if most of you have been following recent golf news that is where uh the club pro um lost his life due to a freak accident from a storm and the tree just fell over on top of the um the cart barn and unfortunately took his life which it was terrible, uh, but it was it was a good way to kind of because I played with the I guess you could say the chapter president of the Philly location, uh, Steve Steve Panas or Panis I forget whatever Steve shout out to you bud um, we played together so he kind of runs all of the the Philly stuff and he was even talking um, to me about it how you know there's still a lot of damage on that course and it's, it's all, they have a lot going on and I feel they're so overwhelmed because they still have to cater to the members. Members still want to come out to play. They have probably about five or six holes on their actual, on their North course, uh, which, you know, they're still trying to clean it up from tree damage. You still see, you still see the, the tree that fell on the cart barn. That's all like fenced off and, it, mm. and it's, it's, it's awful. Um, so they had, they have a lot going on. Then they had, and then they were, they were fortunate enough to still cater to us. They said, they asked um, if we wanted to reschedule and, and they said, no, we kind of had like the biggest turnout for that, for that tour. And it was also like a kind of a great way to show our support. And, you know, um, especially for the, the loss of one, you know, phenomenal human being. 
and pro that just did so much for that for the Glover Park tour and just for the for Philmont as well. But I mean, yeah, I mean it was, shout it was out a hell to, of a time. We were talking about earlier too. He he was the reason the Barstool Classic was at Philmont. He reached out to Barstool when he saw mm-hmm. and, and kind of hooked up with Riggs and hooked up with those guys and made it happen. You know, he was the yeah. reason the Barstool Classic came there. So um I mean, yeah, I, I can only imagine how um how great it was for everyone to convene in Philmont um and just be able to give back. I saw they raised over fifteen hundred dollars just in greens fees um, for Philmont, mm-hmm. uh, that day. So that's a great showing. And, and for a course that needed it as, as yeah. well, like you said, during that time. So that's awesome to hear, sure. man. Uh, you know, the, the, did the course, you know, treat you well throughout the day? Uh, <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> mm, uh, it was a bad day, but the, the, beer, no, the, the court, beers are pretty good afterwards, right? <laughs> that I needed that. Yeah. I was like, I need one of these. Um, no, I did not play great at all. Uh, but I had, I had a lot of fun. And, and, you know, like you said, that's, that's the whole point of it. Right. Uh, met some great, great people walked out with, you know, new friends and that, um, played awful. I tried to put that behind me, but obviously knowing me, that was on my mind the entire time. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, the course was green. Uh, I know, I know they were struggling with the greens cause last year they got hammered with that. Our area got slammed with that one weekend where it was like, ridiculously hot and every course just got destroyed and like yeah. all this stuff got burned so they were trying to recover from loss of green so the greens were mm-hmm. a little uh a little longer and a little sticky but everything else was green um and but they makeshift the hole because they used to have a south course they closed that down they opened up some of the holes and like makeshift so you can actually still play 18 holes so that was kind of neat to see <laughs> and how they were able to finagle that way uh which is cool because you know you have you have this like a lot of stuff's going on, right? You got COVID, you got, you know, the storm that just blowed through, just destroyed everything. Now you have all these memories you have to take care of. They somehow, they got it done to make sure that when you're going out and playing golf, you're playing 18 holes of golf um, and you're not double playing holes. So they were able to like make shifts some home. There's a lot of par threes uh, that day, uh, but it was cool. It was a lot of fun. It, it was funny because we got on like this one hole and we all take our second shots in. And Steve makes this great swing and just like pures it. And like, next thing we know, it's like out four. he was like 200 yards out on a par four. He hold it. Eagle. Oh, like it was like our fourth oh. hole or something like that. He goes, all right, today's going to be a great day. Um, yeah. I, I folded like a lawn chair so fast, dude. Mm. Oh, it was fun <laughs> to watch, man. It was, you know, we talked about it with them too. They talked about the live scoring um, and the aspect. Yeah, that's we the had coolest that, part. We had that on our website all day. Um, we were getting kind of hits, you know, all day from people saying, man, this is cool. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's awesome to see amateur yeah. golf have this live, you know, platform. So it my, was fun to see that. My buddy, Big John, texted me because they have a two ball one, uh, like a better ball tournament um, at Raven's Call, I think the course is. He goes, dude, I want to sign up. I was like, <laughs> okay. I'm in. And you know, what's great about this tournament it, or this tour is, you know, it's, most of the guys are, you know, in between like mid twenties to, you know, maybe mid thirties, majority of them. A lot of us, we're just the common working man, right? We have nine to five jobs. All these tournaments are on Saturdays. So mm-hmm. it's not, you don't have to mm-hmm. waste any PTO or vacation days with your job or say, Hey, I got to go meet a client real quick for, for a few hours. And, step away from the office you have you have you have you can designate that saturday 
um, and go play some competitive golf. I mean, it's a lot of fun, but they still throw some competitiveness into it. And it's like, and that's what I say. Like, that's, a, that's what we need because there are a lot of golfers out there that aren't necessarily there yet to play on like kind of the local AM stuff um, or really want to put the, the money towards that because they, they're not there to where they feel as if they can compete um, or they're just sick and tired of playing kind of their, their money matches or, or their, their member events. And they want something a little bit more like that's, but still want to just have fun. Mm -hmm. That's the Glover Park tour is perfect for you. If that's what you're looking for. So, yeah, yeah, no, was, I was, uh, uh, I was pumped to just watch along throughout the day. It was fun to see the stories, uh, the camaraderie. That was the cool part of it. Like you said, it, it's just, a, it's a buddy's tour that's taken <laughs> off and you play for some really we, cool prizes, namely did, a trophy yeah. to take home. Trophy was big, man. I mean, it looked like a, a professional trophy that you would see a, a tour player get on, on TV. Uh, it, it was actually kind of funny, too, because it's kind of a hot day. We took carts. Yep. Sue me. Um, but our cart. For all only a broke. little bit, you did. <laughs> our, our cart died twice. So we just unlatched it from the back through the, uh, through the bag on our shoulders and just kept on moving. I, I talked, I felt like I I talked was to the Philmont crew. I made, I made sure that happened. So we stayed on brand. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty funny. So some of the makeshift holes were pretty hilly. So those walks weren't the best. Mm. I can imagine we played it out there and it was a hilly course, uh, for sure. Um, so yeah, man, it was cool to see you guys out there and, uh, I'm hoping to, get us involved in more Glover Park stuff. They have a DC section that's a little closer to me. Uh, your Philly section up there is alive and well. Um, so I'm hoping to see us, you know, involved in that in some way, shape, or form a little bit more consistently because I, I love the guys out there. I love what they do. And anyway, we can always help growing golf brands. You know, we like to do so. So hopefully to yep. see us out there more, guys. But um, as we wrap up this evening, one last thing I want to talk about, Phil Mickelson turned the big 5-0. Um, Mickelson has brought us insane amounts of really good golf moments throughout the years. I want to know your guys's favorite Phil Mickelson moments uh, or one moment, I should say from Phil Mickelson's career that sticks out to you guys. We'll give a little homage to Mickelson's, the big five Oh, uh, and then we'll call it a day guys. So, you know, who's up, who, who wants to, you know, tell us their favorite Phil Mickelson moment. You guys have more Phil Mickelson moments than I do, but I guess, Mine is his swing has never changed. You sent just me that and I was absurdly amazed. Mm. And I don't think, I mean, knock on wood. I mean, he's, he's always been in good health. Um, seems very uh, flexible, limber and all that. But man, that swing, I was like, I texted you that, that I guess the PGA or some Instagram account uh, had it. And I was looking at it. I was like, yeah, did this, did he ever make a swing change? Mm, I don't think he did. I'll be honest. I don't think he did. It was always so slow back and then just like almost his swing almost bored you to sleep. It was a little over the plane, you know, cause he swung so long back, but it was just so smooth. Like I, I can't mm. think of anyone who has a smoother swing consistently throughout their career. Ernie. Possibly. Maybe Adam Scott, but Possibly. even then it's not yeah. as Dante, Phil's smooth in his own way. So yeah, Dante, you're 100 right. It's been the same since his ASU days in college. Has not changed much. So that's pretty cool. That's a fun fact. 
Isaiah, what about you, buddy? Where's, uh, where's Phil Mickelson's, you know, what's your favorite moment of the old lefty? Say probably the numerous times that he's actually hit people with golf balls because he always takes a moment to not only sign a glove, but hand him a hundred dollar bill. So the patron always comes out on the better side of it, but you can see that Phil is the kind of person that genuinely cares about making a connection with fans. And there's so much more to it within just what we see on the surface of these guys play pro golf for a living for him. That's, you know, it's about making a connection with people and growing a following and, um, guys like that are the reason why the game has grown to the level that it has between him and, and Tiger. They've been two of the, you know, the biggest advocates of the game. So mm -hmm. it's awesome to see all those, those moments accumulate and see what Bill has come to now. It's crazy. And I think mine kind of stems from maybe a couple of them, but um, the, the leap that he had on the 18th green at Augusta and kind of the way you talked about just being so on brand with people. Um, my favorite Phil Mickelson kind of just, thing throughout his career is turning that leap into a logo in which he puts mm -hmm. on everything now uh the mm -hmm. phil mickelson leap logo is on his shirts it's on his shoes it's on his hats i mean in, in true phil mickelson fashion uh he would turn that into a logo that only he yeah. wears on everything so um you know uh, iconic speaking from him. It, one more thing speaking of fashion he um this is my he's like great at trash talking like just yeah. chirping each other because if you if you ever watched the phil mickelson one with them he, he said he uh he came out to a master's tournament one time with uh gator green gator shoes mm. and well this is kind of more of a i guess you can say shout out to kucha but anyway he goes kucha goes what are you wearing and he goes well well kucha you know uh when you win three Masters tournaments, you you, you can pull these off. And Kucher's like, well, I'll make sure I only win two. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, well, to it. <laughs> Kucher wanted nothing to do with the green alligator shit. <laughs> yeah, so, but it's, it's cool to see. I mean, he just, like, does a lot of things, like, on, off the course in a way where he's just, like, chirping guys. And then, like, when he got into the Twitter game, it's just yeah. sort of responding back, say, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I will I, say his uh his I, I would say affinity for almost dad style jokes. They're dry in humor, but they're uh -huh. just classic dad Phil. Um, so yeah, shout out to Phil turning the big five oh. Um one last thing actually before we go, that's gonna be it then. Do you think he's got a US open win in him? Or is or is the old man just forever gonna search that win? Mm, I think he stays searching. I think if he can just if he's hitting high bombs high nasty bombs and he can keep them straighter in play there i think he can go. get it done he can't I hit think, it straight That's i problem. think those I high <laughs> nasty bombs are what keeps him searching for the rest of eternity because i yeah. don't think he's going to keep them in play he's way too worried about hitting high nasty yeah. bombs especially when you're pulling out two when you're carrying two drivers and one for the, to keep it in play and one to just hit bombs uh <laughs> Hey, you guys, like you guys are trademark. almost in the same category of being the same kind of mental putting two drivers in the bags like he is. Listen, um, I'll put two drivers <laughs> in the bag. I got, I, God knows what I need to put in the bag. but Better two drivers than two putters, though. Some guy told me he played with a guy who was like really good in the area, had three putters in his bag. I could never I can do see it. it. I ain't enjoying one the one's got to be hot. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right, guys, that's it for us this week. Uh, thanks for tuning in. As always, you can go follow us on Instagram and Twitter at EnjoyTheWalkPod. Uh, check out our website as well, www.EnjoyTheWalkPod.com. Uh, we jumped into the Hickory Stick game, man, and uh, we had a couple orders go out this week. So check those out, guys. Check out our Hickory Stick game, our alignment aids that are up on the shop now. Um, they can pretty much be done in any color um, that's on the website. So go check that out. We can pretty much color match whatever you like, uh, stain them in just about any color under the sun as well. So check that out, guys. We still have a couple hats left as well. So if you guys want to pick those up, uh, they are going to go on sale when this, uh, when this podcast release as well. They were $30 when we first let them out, and they're going to go to $24.95. So pick them up, guys, $5 off hats, uh, and that'll just about do it for us this week. So guys. Enjoy the walk out there, carry your clubs, and uh, be on the lookout. As always, check out our bag drop. We're going to auction off that one Tyler's golf bag whenever we get it in, I think three to four weeks. So be on the lookout for that. We'll announce it and cross your fingers. Hope you guys get it. We got one. We got one for the fans. So one lucky, one lucky winner is going to get that out on auction. So that's it for us, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Till next week. One shot at a time.